While you uh, find Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read a couple of verses out of Hebrews chapter 1. Just the first two verses out of Hebrews. You don't have to turn there. We'll be going back to Genesis. But Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 reads like this. God, who at sundry times, that means at different varying times, in diverse manners or different manners, spake to us in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days hath spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the world. You do realize that God the Father used God the Son to give up heaven and put on flesh and become a man, go to the cross, shed His blood and die for the sins of the world. And in so doing, He spake a message he was speaking to us through the cross, through Christ. And that message was that I love you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that we can look to the cross and live. That, that as a matter of fact, was one of, the, uh, one of the verses, if not the major verse, that Charles Haddon Spurgeon ran across that drew him out of his depravity out of his sinfulness into a relationship with Jesus Christ that changed him from the sinner that he was to the to the preacher that he became God's God's servant a man of God and that message was that a look and live they lifted up the serpent out in the wilderness and fiery serpents were crawling all over the ground biting the people that represented sin and sin was was killing everybody and and he just told them, look, they lifted up the serpent, the brass serpent, and he said, look and live. And the same thing is true, the Bible says about Jesus Christ, that if we look unto Christ with faith, submit and surrender our hearts and our lives and everything that we are to everything that He is, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that just that look of faith to the Son of God that gave His life for our sins, that we might not perish but have eternal Life. Now in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it reads like this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. God said. Do you understand what that means? God said, Let there be light. Oh, and then the answer came. There was light. Now I want you to picture this with me, if you will, for just a minute. God is God and there is nothing else. There is no creation. There's no heaven. There's no earth. There's no light. There's no darkness. There's no universe. There's only God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, God says... And he thought a thought in his mind. And that thought became verbalized. He closed his eyes and he saw what he wanted. He said what he saw. He opened his eyes and he saw what he said. Did you get that? God closed his eyes and he saw what he wanted. And then he saw what he said. He said what he saw. He opened his eyes and he saw what he said. He's the only person in the universe. 
that can actually accomplish that. I know people that believe they can. They believe that because the Holy Spirit of God is living on the inside of them, that they can speak and say what they want, and if they speak it and believe it, that God will give it to them. They can speak things into existence. May I say that that's hogwash. The only thing that we can speak into existence is God's will, not ours. We cannot make God in our image. God made us in His image. We'll see that in a few more verses. But anyway, God closed His eyes. He saw what He wanted. He said what He saw. And He opened His eyes and He saw what He said. And He said that it was very good. Now I want you to realize that every time God speaks, God's weight carries word carries weight with it. It always accomplishes. It's always effectual. When God says something, it's not a hope so, maybe so, think so. It's a I know so. And everything that He says, everything that He desires comes to pass. He gets exactly what He wants. That's one of the perks of being God, by the way. I don't always get what I want. Darn it. My wife does. I try to give it to her. Amen. But no, she doesn't either. And we as fallen human beings, we as sinful creatures, we, we don't get what we want. But the Bible says that if we'll ask anything according to His will, then we'll have those things that we ask. But my friend, everything that we ask is not always according to the will of God. And we cannot bend and mold and make God into our will. It is God who conformed us to His image and to His likeness and to His will. And when we submit and surrender everything that we are to everything that He is, then He comes to take up residence on the inside of us. All things pass away. All things are new. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Do you have the love of God? Boy, that's a, that's a $64,000 question. You see, because the love of God is transitional. It's God's love. The love of God for me. God's love for me. The love of God was shed abroad in my heart. That means I realized how much God loved me. How did I realize? Well, illumination, regeneration. God woke me up and revealed to me His love, His great love, where He loved me with the love that He was willing to let His Son die in my stead. And that thought formulated in my mind for the first time because God put it there. It's not something I dreamed up. Remember he asked Peter, who do men say that I am? Well, some of them say you're this, some of them say you're that, some of them say you're this prophet, that prophet. But everybody's got a different answer about who you are. He says, well, who do you say I am? He said, thou art the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. He says, well said. Flesh and bone has not given that to you. But my Father which is in heaven... And you see, if God gave that thought, that understanding of who Jesus was to Peter, where do you think that thought comes from in our hearts, in our minds? The other way we come to faith, see, faith saves and faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. It produces good works, but the faith that saves is faith in a particular item, a particular person. The faith that you put in that pew will not save you. It'll keep you from hitting the floor, but it will not save your soul. You can jump on a jumbo jet and fly it across the United States halfway around the world if you want to. It'll get you off the ground, but it won't get you to heaven. 
Saving faith is a particular faith, and saving faith is particular faith in a particular person, and that person is in Jesus Christ, and it's a particular understanding of who that person is, that He is the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed His blood, and died for my sins. Now, if I know that, if I believe that, it's only because God revealed that to me. And the same thing is true about His Word. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. If I knew anything about this creation, certainly I can go out and look at the stars at night. And I can say, oh wow! Cosmologically, that, that's got to mean that there's a, that, there's a creation, there's got to be a creator. There's a painting, there's got to be a painter, there's a watch, there's a watchmaker. You do understand that, that those things can be rationalized by lost human beings. But you cannot come to an intimate love relationship with the true and living God. The indigenous people of America believed in, in different gods. People all over have built totem poles and have built, built idols all over the world to different gods. You can find that in the Word of God. Up on Mars Hill, I perceive that thou art too superstitious. Because I saw when I was walking through your garden there, you had all of these idols made to all of these gods, and you had one in the middle of the in, in the middle of the garden that said to the unknown God, "You're worshiping everything under the sun and everything that you don't even know about." Let me tell you about that unknown God. His name is Jehovah, and he has a son named Jesus. My friend, the only way that even if that rolls off of my tongue and falls into your brain, the only way that it can reach your heart is because God opens your heart and your understanding to it. God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw the light, saw that it was good, and God divided the light from the dark. dark God called the, dark, uh, the light day and the darkness night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. God said, let there be firmament in the sky, in the midst of the waters. Let it be divided, uh, the waters from the water, the waters above from the waters below. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the, uh, the morning of the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place, and let the dry land appear. And so it was, and God called the dry land to earth, and He gathered together the waters called the sea, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And so it was. The earth brought forth the grass and the herb yielding the seed after its kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and saw that it was good. Now I want you to realize something. I, I'm reading this for a purpose because it says in kind, after his kind, in this kind. Now I want you to realize something. There's a lot of, of teaching going around today about this woke crowd and about uh, things being evolved you know, God God didn't create the, the earth in six days. Man, if you believe that, you're you're retarded. There's something wrong with you. 
you, you've got to understand this took like billions of years for this thing to come to pass. And, and it took that much evolution for, you know, a little primordial sludge to finally break loose from the pile of goop and grow legs and crawl out and, and grow a tail and climb a tree and go to college and get its Ph.D. All of that takes time. And just because, you know, a dog and a cat and a horse and a cow, they all came from the same primordial flood. We don't believe in evolution, amen? Now, I believe that kind of its kind, like a wolf and the domesticated dogs come from that dog that's kind after kind. Certainly there is microevolution in the world. But when you're talking about a worm becoming a dog, and a dog becoming a monkey, and a monkey becoming a lion, and a lion becoming an elephant. Those, there's no evidence of those things anywhere on this planet. God made us after His image, and He made every other creature after their image. And those animals, those creatures, stay those creatures. Mammals don't become birds, and birds don't become reptiles, and reptiles don't become fish. It's kind after kind. In verse 13, in the evening and the morning were the third day, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament. And uh, of course, those lights were divided between the sun and the moon. Verse 15 says, and <clears throat> let them be the lights for the firmament and uh, the heaven to give light on the earth. And it was so, and God made the two great lights, greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and made the stars also. Boy, he just kind of flings that out there as an afterthought, right? Do you know how many billions of stars there are in this universe? I don't, and neither do you. Only God knows the exact number of how many stars there are. I know that just in the Milky Way uh, galaxy, there are billions of stars, and there are billions of galaxies out there. This thing is huge that we're living in. And God spoke. The Bible says that God breathes those out of His mouth. Stars out of His mouth. He is the star maker. And God sent them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And the darkness, uh, God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly moving uh, creature uh, every moving creature hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moved. And verse 22 says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Verse 23 says, In the evening and the morning were the fifth day. 24 says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, cattle, and creeping things, and beast of the earth after its kind. And so it was. And God made the beast of the field after their kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, as a crowning touch, let us make man after our image, after our likeness, and let them be, have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the fowl of the air, over cattle, and over all the earth, and over creeping things that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image, and in His image created He him. Male and female created He them. Now I want you to know something here. 
that I, I may one day be ostracized, I may be criminalized, I may be actually imprisoned over saying some of the things that I say behind this pulpit, and I don't care. Uh, I will tell the truth until the day I die. There are men and there are women and there are no other genders. There are no other sexes on the face of this earth. God created male and female. And when He spoke, He ended the subject. He ended the discussion. God is the one who speaks things into being. And He did not speak different genders into being. Now, I know that this, uh, this subject that I'm on, God speaking, has so many different avenues and so many different directions that we can take. I'm going to try to limit myself, but certainly there, there's no scientist, there's no historian upon the face of the earth that can improve upon what verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 said, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. See, that settles everything else. It doesn't try to defend itself. It doesn't come to the scientists and to the, to the uh, uh, people who think that they're smarter than Christians and, and God and, and try to explain to them why it is that they need to understand that there is a God that stepped out of nowhere onto nothing and spoke everything we know anything about into existence. God doesn't defend Himself. And by the way, you don't need to defend God. You don't need to defend God any more than you need to defend a lion. If you want to uh, defend a lion, just let him go. Just loose him. And, and he'll take care of himself, I'll promise you. And the same thing is true with the lion of the tribe of Judah. The same thing is true with God Almighty. You don't have to defend God. You just pronounce what God says and back up and let God do the rest. God is in control. God is on His throne. No man can take Him off of His throne. Now certainly, there's a lot of human beings that have different things on the throne of their heart. God is on the throne in heaven. And it doesn't matter what this world says. Nothing shall ever remove Him from that high and lofty position of His throne in heaven. Certainly, this uh, simple statement, in the beginning God. Now I know that it goes on to say, in the beginning God created. But just in the beginning God, that refutes everything else the world has to offer. It refutes atheists who say there is no God. It refutes agnostics who claim we can't, well, we can't really know. You know, I believe there is a God, but I just don't know who God is. And you can't really know who God is. Sure, I can. Because He's written a book that describes who He is and explains who He is. And in the beginning, God, the agnostic who claims we can't know God, the polytheist who worships many gods, the pantheist who says that all of nature is God, the materialist, who claims that matter is eternal and not created. The fatalist who teaches that there's no divine plan behind creation and history. Do you understand that you step outside, you look at this world, you get in an airplane, you fly over New York City and you look down at it at night from a mile high, you'll look at that and say, wow, I wonder how that happened, right? You understand that is intelligent design. Somebody did that. When God breathed this universe into existence, it has intelligent design. You can look at it and tell, man, that didn't just happen. You can look at the human being and tell, 
that, that didn't just, just happen. It didn't just take place. Take the eyeball and, and compare it to the best telescope or best set of binoculars, best uh, in the world, and it, it doesn't compare. You can zoom from this close to the sun in a half a second. There's not a telescope on the earth that can do what God created the eyeball to do. What it creates about God, what the creation that God created, what does that reveal about God? Well, I'm going to hurry because I see I'm going to run out of time. It reveals the wisdom and power of God. And I'm going to do a little Bible blitz here. You don't have to try to keep up with me if you don't want to. But in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19, it says this, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath He established the heavens. So when we look at the creation, what is it that we see? We see the wisdom and the power of God and that they have been put on display by God for our understanding. Some people say, well, you can't know God. You can't figure Him out. You can't find Him out. His ways are past finding out. Well, I know that. That is true. But if God Himself decides to reveal those things to us, then certainly we have the capacity to receive them and to understand the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath He established the heavens, and I can see His hand in every inch of it. Secondly, it, it reveals His glory. Psalm 19 verse 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. You walk outside, you look at the stars on a, on a real dark night where there's no, no street lights and city lights and all of the things that the world has to offer to block the view of God. You go out, we went up to Big Sky Country just a few months ago, uh, Montana, Wyoming, in that area. Wow. Absolutely gorgeous. How can you go to Glacier National Park and not see God? How can you go to Yellowstone National Park and not see the hand of God? How can you look up into the sky when you're in a place like that where there's no cities within hundreds of miles of where you're at and you look up and you see all of these stars and you can tell the, the, that there are bands in the universe that God has placed there. God is not speaking to us. God is screaming at us. Man's not listening. Man's too busy. We've got too much going on in our homes, in our families, in our businesses, in our lives. We look down most of the time. We're looking at our phones. We're looking at our televisions. We're looking at our feet. We very rarely look up into the face of God and give God the glory for who He is and what He's done. Well, thirdly, we also realize that the creation reveals not only the wisdom and power of God, but the power of the Godhead. Romans chapter 1, and this is a little lengthier. It's uh, four verses. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 21 reads like this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. We hold the truth. It's here. It's within our vision. It's within our grasp. And yet we are so busy looking around and stuff of more interest to us that we really don't take the time to acknowledge the glory and honor of God in the creation that He has made. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in those things that He has created. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You will not stand before God and say a mumbling word in your defense. Well, God, I didn't have a Bible. I'm sorry I didn't go to church. I'm sorry I lived on the dark side of the moon and you didn't send me a you didn't send me a missionary. I was in the outback of Australia. God has clearly given us a teleological and a cosmological explanation of creation. We just ignore it. We look at, we look at it, and we look through it, and we don't see the hand of God. Thou madest him. I'm sorry, verse twenty. For the visible things of him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful in in their hearts, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. How dark is a dark heart? How dark is a dead heart? How how lost is a is a person that is is absolutely separated from the love of God because of their love for their sin? Verse three through nine in Psalm eight, we realize that the creation reveals His love. For insignificant man. Oh, what? We're, we're insignificant? Absolutely. We, we are specks. Little bitty specks on a big speck of dirt floating around in a universe of suns. Billions and billions of miles spread across it. 35 million light years from here to the Whirlpool Galaxy. 35 million light years. A light year... 5.888 trillion miles. Now you multiply 5.888 trillion times 35 million and you'll get to our nearest galaxy. We can't imagine how big our God was that breathed this out of His mouth when He spoke the Word and everything that we know anything about came into existence. But Psalm 8, 3-9 through 9 reads like this, when I, when I consider the heavens... The work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with the glory and the honor, and hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep, all oxen, oxen, yea, the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through uh, the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. My friend, God, for some reason, there's a lot of things that I'm thankful that God has given me light, given me understanding of. One of the things that I still fail to understand is the love of God for me. Why would God love a wretch 
might be. Why, why would God love any of us that have so violently, so arrogantly lived our lives in sin against a holy and righteous God? And yet we realize what this verse just said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? You, you've got to come to us, Lord. Why? Because we cannot reach you. Your ways are past finding out. We cannot know God unless God reveals himself to us. And we as sinful human beings have no right, no claim on a holy and righteous God. And yet he loved, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friend, I want you to realize the, the step that God takes to lower Himself, to reach humanity, to lift them up above and beyond their own capacity, their own ability. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can they, for they are spiritual, and he is carnal, sold under sin. He cannot understand the things of God in his natural state of mind, lost, dead. But God reaches down, touches, illuminates, regenerates, gives birth to regeneration, and draws men, women, boys, and girls to himself. Why? Why does he do that? I, I don't know. I cannot answer that question. All I can say is thank you, Lord. Well, how do you say thank you? Do you just tip your hat and you drop your dollar in the plate? Do you show up at church every once in a while and then just, you know, kind of kind of whisper the words, thank you, thank you for me. No. What a disgrace to grace that is. That if God was doing what God did in my life, then what I should do is pour my life out on the altar of sacrifice. That I might live a life that brings glory and honor to Him with every ounce, every inch, every fiber of my being, with every beat of my heart, with every breath of my lungs, with every thought of my mind. Live it. Not just believe it. Live it for God. Lastly, what does God's creation reveal? about God. Isaiah 40 and 12 says that it reveals His providential care. Providential care means the providence of God. That God not only initiates a relationship with us through His Son, Jesus Christ, but once we bend the knee and bow the head and surrender our hearts and our lives and everything that we are to everything that He is, then He continues to provide Everything that we need for life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness as a Christian, that we cannot lose the life that God has given us because we didn't earn it, we didn't buy it, we didn't work to get it. God simply gave it to us by His grace. Now I can't lose it by being what I used to be. I'm still a sinner. If being a sinner would cause me to lose my salvation, then I would be lost like a ball in high weeds. But because God saved me when I was at my worst, He keeps me saved even when I'm at my best but still doing wrong. Thank You, Lord. Boy, what a Savior we have. Isaiah 40.12 reads like this, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of His hand, the oceans and the seas, 
the lakes and the streams. Did you know that the Bible says that God even measured the breadth of the universe? He just stepped up back away from it far enough that He held His hand up and measured the width of the universe. He says in that same hand He has held the seas and the oceans and meted out heaven with a span comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in the balance. That's an amazing... You say, wow, that's that's got to be euphemisms. That's got to be not actual reality. Really, is that literal? You're talking literal? God has done those things? Absolutely. If God can breathe those things out of His mouth, don't you understand that God has providential care of the universe. And if He has providential care of the universe and all of the things that He's created, why do you not think that He has providential care for us, for you, for me? Do you know that you can not only trust Him to save you, but you can trust Him to keep you saved and to bring you home one day? Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put it on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? So if this providential God that breathed everything into existence in the world and the universe takes care of all of those things that He has created, and He says that He notices every sparrow that falls to the ground, every time a sparrow has a heart attack and dies and hits the ground, God numbers them. God knows Every one of them. How much more important are we, His children, than sparrows? How much more important are we as His children than the material things that He created in this world? And if we are that important to Him, then shouldn't He be that important to us? Let's pray. Father, we do love You. We thank You, Lord, that You have spoken Not only did you step out of nowhere onto nothing and speak everything we know anything about into existence, but God, you stepped into our hearts and into our minds and breathed a word, life. You regenerated, gave us new birth, you saved our souls. God, help us to live this new life that you've given. God, I know that we had physical life, but you gave us spiritual life. Help us to live this life for your glory and your honor. Forgive us where we have failed you at that in the past. That we might turn away from it and be faithful to you as our heart's desire. And we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.